everybody on the team, everybody, the the uh, writer, artist, art director, editor, every everybody. Ideally, they're on the team of uh, team best book. That's the team they're on. Hey everybody and welcome to another You May Contribute a Verse. Team Versi is Brenna Jenneret, author and outdoors mom, podcast wizard John Seymour, and me, Josh Munkin, science communicator, dad, and author whose dad would be proud at how much this episode talks about superheroes and comics. I respect the hell out of today's guest, Troy Wilson. He writes amazing books today, like Goldie Books and The Wee Bear, or Hat Cat, for example, and he wrote great books 20 years ago, too. This year, April of 2024, in fact, Troy's picture book, Perfect Man, turns 20 years old. And as someone who is hoping to break into the scene himself in the relatively, in publishing terms, near future, uh, I'm really inspired by the ways Perfect Man is still reaching audiences and is still celebrated today. Happy birthday, Perfect Man, and congratulations, Troy. In honor of this auspicious anniversary, Troy is doing a giveaway of a copy of Perfect Man. Obviously, if you're listening to this episode in the distant future, it's probably over by now, and you can still pick up a copy of per Perfect Man at most book retailers, but as of early February 2024, head to Twitter, Blue Sky and Threads, and share this episode, and tag us, of course, because otherwise we won't see it. By Valentine's Day, we'll pick the winner who loves on this show the hardest. If we get enough winners, I'll contribute a copy of Perfect Man as well, so get out there and share the show. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this conversation that we had with Troy. Here's Troy's verse. Your audio, Troy, is a delight. Are you oh, using cool. some kind of fancy microphone? Yeah, it's really good. I'm I'm using, well, it looks like what might be what you might be using. I'm, I'm using uh, Blue Yeti. Oh, us too. Uh, yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can only dream of sounding as crisp and baritone on my end. <laughs> I don't hear myself that way, nor do I hear myself that way when I edit these episodes. But oh well, yeah, no, I don't like the sound. Oh my, the, the sound of my voice, no fun. No, nobody likes it. Nobody likes. I was the sound gonna of their say, voice. yeah, I was gonna say nobody really likes to listen to themselves. I mean, luckily, I don't, I don't have too much of an affliction because, yeah, when we edit these or like have to re-listen, you know, to post and whatever, it's a lot of like going back and forth. So it's not too bad, but it's not. Yeah, it's not my favorite. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I when we started doing this, I, I I sort of knew that podcasting was the hobby for us or the pastime or however you want to characterize it for us. Because as I edited these episodes, you know, this was even before Brenna joined. As I edited the episodes, I didn't hate the way I sounded, which was uh, it's like a it's like a real barrier to entry. If you hate what you're doing, hate the out you know the output. So totally. it was worth pursuing, right? <laughs> Totally, which is why I wanted to do a podcast in the first place, honestly, because so many writers have blogs and I'm like, I don't want to write about writing. That just sounds like so I just I just did not have any interest, but like chatting with people and hearing about like their journeys and what they have to say, like that's just like so much more fun. So much on the same page, so much on the same page, uh, because really uh, we only have, I think, uh, so much writing energy and um yeah writing writing about writing is not necessarily how i would want to expand a big chunk of it 
I'd rather yes. just ex- I'd rather just expend it on the the stuff itself. Uh, so yeah, the chatting interviews I prefer greatly to uh, to the to the the written back and forth that I also do. Uh, it's nice to be able to refine one's answer and rewrite it ad nauseum and make it sound really great and you don't have any ums and ahs and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing but at the same time you're writing and it's just sucking some energy away so from that we just we just refine and post that's why everybody always sounds so good and refined. There, we are. <laughs> perfect. there we go that's why it no, always but- sounds like perfect man is on the podcast Yes. Perfect man. Yes. Perfect man. Yeah. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. All right. Well, let's talk about perfect man because it's, I mean, so it was the 20th anniversary, right? It was, it came out in 2004. Yeah. 2004. Um, exactly. Yeah. And it says in the the soft cover, it says 2005, but that was the release of the soft cover. So 2004 was, was the hard cover. Yeah. Long time ago. Really? Lots of, lot of pains. It's still, it like, it still holds up though, because so number one, the story is really fun. So it gave me a lot of um, Mega Man vibes, like how, how you get in there and Mega Man just like quits, right? Or sorry, uh, his nemesis quits and he doesn't want to be a superhero anymore. And Mega Mind is sort of like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, what does a nemesis do, a superhero do if you don't have a nemesis, right? So he's like lost. I got very much like the Mega Man vibes when I was reading it. <laughs> And also, Mega Man being the Nintendo character, who I don't think quits. <laughs> no, what, not Mega Man. The Me- other dude, Be- right. Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt's uh, character quits. Yeah, no, that's high praise. I I love that movie, and and this also came out um, back when um, I think The Incredibles came out. Was it the same year? Later the same year? Something mm-hmm. like that. Whereas, okay, again, yeah. the superheroes are qu- are quitting, but they're forced to in that case. It's not a voluntary decision on their part. Um, but I, I love uh, superheroes quitting stories, and there are a ton of them in, in, in comics. And, and now, uh, in, well, since Perfect Man came out, lots in 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 film and cartoons and whatever and it's yeah it's it's a great oftentimes it can really really uh there can be some great stuff because you can you can take it from all kinds of different angles how that affects the superheroes themselves how it affects the world how it affects their foes and just sort of a life purpose thing too uh it's a life change thing uh changing one's i don't know well in, in i guess in perfect man's case it's sort of changing potentially changing one's approach to how one helps the world if depending on whether one thinks that um perfect man actually sort of comes back in the book or not which is a debatable point but 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 yeah no, it, i know i i love i love uh, the uh, megamind movie that's a it's a real fun one same same and i mean superheroes quitting is like the ultimate hook I feel like, right? Because if you're not a super, if you're a superhero and then you don't superhero anymore, like, what do you do? That just, I mean, I feel like the story just goes from there. Like you're already in it. Cause you're like, well, what, what happens now? Like you're not doing the thing that you set out to do. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, here's, here's pop culture for you. I, I literally just last night uh, got done with a rewatch of the prime video show invincible. Have either of you watched that? I haven't watched it. I've read a lot of the comic up mm-hmm. to 
up to some really crucial plot twisty points. Let's let's put it that way for 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 that. Um, and yeah, I I really I really like it. I've heard good things about the the animated as well. I just haven't haven't uh, haven't gotten. It's to very. It. It's very good. Decidedly a hmm. lot more blood than in Perfect Man, um, if I'm comparing, <laughs> yes. comparing the two. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But it feels it feels salient to talk about because we're in this moment where, you know, we've had basically 20 years of Marvel movies, which are enjoyable, but, you know, capitalism has has forced them down our throats at a pretty steady pace. And they've all been pretty, pretty traditionally um, leveraging that that origin story, traditional you know, superhero story. So we're getting reactions. Um, we're, we're getting reactions to that with things like Invincible or things like um, like live action shows like uh, The Boys. So feels feels like Perfect Man's you know coming around again to relevance and and uh, and zeitgeist salience, if that's a term, an appropriate term to use. <laughs> well, and you know the the funny thing about that is it coming around again is that. It was inspired, at least from my end, by some really old stuff that I actually don't think uh, most people are aware of. Actually, any of of them. I mean, there's 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 three. There were three key ones, and one is this quite old uh, comic, like a little twenty uh, two page comic, uh, an issue of a Green Lantern number seventy six. Released the year I was born, 1970, written by a guy named Denny O'Neill, drawn by Neil Adams, who was huge, huge influence on tons of people. But anyway, here's the, this gets to the securitist root of, of inspiration because, okay, this, not a kid lit thing at all. Um, it's a thing where this run of Green Lantern is, is, is it is making it more sort realistic and more, um, relevant to quote unquote the real world, even he, even though he's a he's a space cop and so forth. Because what the moment of inspiration from that comic was, there's an African American elderly gentleman who confronts Green Lantern, and essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially says, you know, you're out there caring about and protecting the orange skin people, the blue skin people, and this and that, and you don't really care or aren't really helping out people with black skin, are you? And just confronts him um, in a way. And weirdly, that got me to thinking, well, what if a kid confronts a superhero about maybe they're not helping as much as they could and maybe they should, you know, instead of fighting criminals at the crime end, maybe they should be be a teacher or something and teach him right at the other end of things and so forth. And that was an interesting thought to me, but the kid was way too adult uh, in terms of how they were expressing things, what they were expressing. So I let that stew for a while. And then there were, I guess, three three kids that came into the mix that, that kind of made it work for me. And one of those kids was, was myself because I was a kid who was uh, really, um, I don't know, obsessed is kind of a negative way to put it, but I was really captivated by comics and reading and all that. And I wasn't much of a person to go out and experience the world. I was in my room reading and, 
and writing and imagining. And so um, when you when you see the boy in this story who's a, the biggest fan of Perfect Man and maybe he's not actually getting out there in, in the world to um, fuel his creative endeavors and so forth. I mean, there's that enters in and then a couple other they get a couple other obscure inspirations. One is called um, the kid who collects Spider-Man, who is about Spider-Man's biggest fan. This came out in uh, mid eighties um, in a comic. It was like a little backup story in a comic actually written by a guy named Roger Stern, drawn by Ron friends. And uh, it's actually become known as one of the greatest Spider-Man comic stories ever told. And I don't want to go down the road of, um, what actually entirely happens in it because it's a one that's best experienced just as a lot of stories are it, it's best experienced um, in and of itself but I mean it does involve a kid who is a huge fan of, of Spider-Man and does get to meet Spider-Man and going on and on here but the final uh, obscure um, inspiration is a novel called The Kryptonite Kid Came out in 79, though I encountered it in my uh, high school library. Uh, written by, it looks to looks like Joseph Torchia, but I think it's pronounced Torsha. In, in any event, this is a story about a kid who writes to Superman as if Superman is real. Um, but in this world, Superman isn't. But he, 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 he's really a huge fan of Superman and writes to him as if Superman is real and so forth. And there's a lot going on in, in this, in this uh, book, too. But I kind of took those huge fan-type figures uh, and merged them with myself into uh, the boy in, in, in Perfect Man. And then I had something. Then, so long, it, all of which is to say that uh, inspiration and stories and writing moves in law, sometimes can move in circuitous paths. And, and um, I mean, occasionally they can be pretty direct and, 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 and pretty um, straightforward, but um, they can also be very, the, the road can be pretty winding. So uh, that's, uh, and, I, and I'm a big fan of giving credit where credit is due. And these, are, these were my inspirations. Um, and interestingly, uh, with The Incredibles coming out at the same time as Perfect Man, basically, obviously a huge fan of, uh, of the, one of the main superheroes plays a huge role in that too. So it was, a really, it was a really interesting thing where you had superheroes quitting and a big fan, a childhood fan of a superhero playing a huge role. It was a really kind of, it was kind of cool to see those, um, those parallels in a movie that I adore. I adore the first one and the second one. Well, let me, so, well, let me back up and just ask about how it came to be a picture book. Um, Was that always the intention? And I ask that because, you know, I, I have things that I'm passionate about and I think my natural inclination with, I think my version of what you're what you're sort of relaying with Perfect Man would be science fiction novels. Um, oh, is there some fascinating aspect of Dune or some other you know classic sci-fi thing that I could leverage into something that I create and put out into the world? My natural inclination would would be and was uh, you know when I was in my earlier thirties and taking stabs at, at doing this to to write a novel. So how did you 
how did you back into or or forward into uh, writing for kids, like aiming this toward a kid audience? Well, it, I, it really was backing in because this, or say around, I always wanted to be uh, a writer or a cartoonist when I grew up, say, say since about like second grade, that's what I wanted, but I didn't really consistently put in the disciplined hard work to get me there. And that's a fairly general vague goal, you know, be an author, be a cartoonist, an author of what? Um, and so I hit, interesting, you mentioned early 30s, because I hit um, just after uh, turning 30. Uh, it, it wasn't really the number that prompted it. It was just a feeling. It was just a time where I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be uh, a, a published author, a published writer at least. Uh, so let's actually put some disciplined time and energy into this. And given that I was starting from ground zero uh, and kind of in a hurry uh, to get somewhere, uh, I thought, well, I, I was aiming to write short things. And so some of those short things ended up being uh, opinion pieces. Uh, some of them ended up being short little actual reporting, little journalistic stories, uh, like various and sundry things. And since I was writing short and this, this idea, uh, I, I don't know that I, it's hard to say now when I, when I thought of, Hey, let's have this initially have this kid be rating a superhero. And then it turns into something a little bit different. Um, it's hard to say at that very moment that it occurred to me that I thought picture book exactly, but I mean, I did write it picture book length and I did submit it as a picture book. So it was, it must, it was it must among, have occurred to you at some point. <laughs> it, it must have occurred to me at some point because it happened. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure the, what exactly the point when it was, but I, I, I guess really what I figured was, okay, I've got all these short things. And so why can't a picture book be among those things? So I was writing, stuff for grownups, stuff, mm, this, this, pic, okay. this picture book for kids. It was like a, a, this array, this army of short pieces that I was sending out into the world in various ways. And that happened to be one of those. And then down the line, what happened was is all the other forms of writing that I was doing and trying my hand at, eventually I was like, you know, I've done enough of those. I've done enough of that. And so all of those fell away and the picture book writing remained. I fell in love with the picture book writing and the picture books and the picture book scene and stayed on that. And I wasn't that interested in, oh, I don't really need to, to write a whole, whole lot more in the way of short news stories or even opinion pieces. I wrote a number of them of uh, our local alternative weekly. I don't know. It was probably like at least five or more of those got in at various points. And but I just was like, you know, there again, I, I was like, I've only got so much writing energy in, in me. What do I want to expand that on? And picture books turned out to be the, the uh, victorious one. I mean, that's not the same. That's not the case for everybody. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of folks who will, who will write picture books and write this and write that and write many, many different forms of things. And, and, and that's, um, and that's fair too, but I just, uh, I mean, picture books is pretty irresistible as a, as a, as a form, you know, with the page turns and with the lovely art and with the, 
connecting to everyone, everyone, you know, everyone from, uh, you know, the super young kids to the oldest grandparents, everybody in between. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, amazing thing to be, to be doing. So Troy, I have to ask, so since, since you were so inspired by these comics growing up, did you ever write any comics? Like did Perfect Man come out as an actual comic to begin with? And like, did you also do the artwork at some point? Like, do do you do that? Do you, do you still draw? Do you still illustrate? I draw, but the extent that I draw is, is usually when I'll, when I autograph copies of my book, I'll draw myself in a cartoony form as you, yeah, as you I are got aware. It. I got and it. So, yeah. Let me show, let me show Josh. Um, Here it is. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I've, I've been, I've had a lot of practice at drawing myself. So, and I can actually, I can, I'm pretty, I'm decent at drawing various things, but I'm also fairly lazy with that where i'm where i'm disciplined i found is with the writing i that's where i'm disciplined and i go okay i'm really going to hone this skill and i'm the 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 art i will draw what i like to draw and i have no interest in drawing a lot of things so i mean because talk about creative bandwidth right like if you've got creative bandwidth for writing like personally i i totally identify with what you're saying like i don't have enough creative bandwidth to then also illustrate what I'm writing. Like art notes are one thing and that, you know, that takes some imagination and figuring it out, but like also drawing it and making sure those are also, you know, top notch. It, it's a lot. It, it's a lot. I, I, uh, I am, I admire so much folks that, uh, that do it all, uh, yeah. or do most of it at, at least. I mean, nobody does it all because everyone's got, uh, you know, uh, editor, art director, all kinds of, it takes a village regardless. So you're never doing it all, but to do both ends, uh, to do the, uh, the, the art and the words, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. But in terms of having done some comics, I have written, um, written a few comics. The tough thing with, with that I found, and I, and I may, I, I'd be happy to write more, um, of them. It's just a tough thing in terms of, shopping shopping it around in a way because it, it is so visual and and it's just all it's all script and so without um without without some some art to kind of it's it's not like a picture book manuscript in in the sense that i mean that it, it's just so much art that it's it's kind of hard to hard to um i don't know convey as easily in a certain way um and, and shop around in a certain sense. So that's, that's more the, the, the barrier for me to doing comics than, than, than anything else. But I've done a few just more on a, um, sort of a, a, in, in, in my leisure, uh, with folks who are also wanting to do a little bit of it in their leisure, uh, as well, and are interested enough in a short little thing to, to do it and get it into various little, uh, small, uh, venues and stuff. But um, ultimately, if I wanted to, um, if I want, if I wanted to do more of it, I'd have to kind of figure out the the the, the pitching of it and a bit better, and I and or I would have to pay some some artists to um, to to do to commit to something uh, bigger, um, you know, pay them for their time and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, the, the interesting thing though, about perfect man was, is that the illustrator, he had never drawn 
a uh, a superhero book prior to this and and i had no idea of his interest in the material at all but it turns out um he was a fan of many of the same comics uh being of similar age to me fan of many of the same comics that i had been growing up we'd grown up on kind of the same stuff mm. and the publisher knew this the publisher knew this because they knew him uh they'd worked with him on several other books so they knew he would he would love to do this kind of thing um and uh, and, 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 you know, the, the, the cool thing is I've actually got um, uh, the original piece of artwork for the spread where the aliens invade New York. I love um, that spread. It's so good because it's just the, casually in the, in the script, right? Like aliens invade New York. Like they always do that. Like, no big deal. Right. <laughs> right. Which is which is the beauty of which is the beauty of. Yeah, I, I like the casual mention. Yeah, they always do. That's always where they invade and all that kind of thing. And and I love his, the little details because here again, you get you get what the artists add where he's we've got the little old lady poking the poking the alien in the eye with a cane and all that. But he's he was he's, he's such a generous guy. He actually his tradition has been um, to to give uh, the, the the authors of, of books he, he works on a piece, the piece actually of original art of their choosing. Wow. And, 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 and what he did in addition to that was he said, okay, you can have this big piece of original art. Uh, also you can have the rough art that led up to it. Um, so wow. it, it's a, it, it was a wonderful thing back in the day when I was presenting perfect man more often in, in schools, you, you know, I could say, well, Hey, see, here's his rough work. Cause I can, I can tell them about my rough work and whatever, but I mean, here's his, actual rough little sketches and whatever leading up to this big thing here. And when it's this big piece of original art, it's all the easier to, to also convey to them, Hey, you know, all that he used for this, um, was, um, pencil crayons and watercolor paints. How many here have used pencil crayons? Hands go up. How many have used watercolor paints? Hands go up. Well, the difference is not in the tools. The difference is he practiced and practiced and practiced. And by the way, he failed grade 10 art, you know, uh, and, and what a teachable moment. Like, I love that so much. My, like yeah. my kid is often like, Oh, this isn't what I wanted or it didn't come out the way, you know, I had it in my head and I'm like, buddy, I know, but like, this is how writing is. And so coming from that side, you know, I sympathize with what you're saying, but having the art and being able to show them the progression, I feel like that's gotta be so impactful for a kid to be like, wait, this is what it took to get here. Like, I love that you took it in to show the kids. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, and, and it, it, it yeah, it, it, it's, it's a sad thing though now is um, with, with him. And I guess, you know, a lot of artists is now, now that he's working entirely digitally, cause he used to do the watercolor and all that. And now he's, he's made the move to digital. And so there is no original art, you know, to bring in anymore though. I mean, a person still could, I mean, I'm sure he has saved, as files he's he keeps, saved keeps the layers right yeah. he, keep, he keeps the layers keeps on so you I mean you could sort of print out something you know but i mean it's it, it it was nice that it happened when it did when he was working that way and it's all tactile and it's all these sheets of paper and his his pencil marks on on them and all that kind of stuff so um my, yeah. my grumbly reflection on that is that and the and audience take this as as cheeky as it hopefully will sound is that illustrators have it so good because um, anything, anything that they produce from rough to final uh, is more compelling than like the, you know, the 
the creaky drafty drafts that, you know, <laughs> point, point being, nobody's going to want a printed copy of any first draft of anything that I've ever written. Uh, it's not as attractive as, as any first draft of anything that's, that's drawn. No, because it's so, it's so immediate. It's so immediate. <laughs> right. You know, visu- visually it's like, boom, you see this, you see that. Whereas oh, really? you, you, otherwise, if you're looking, if you're combing through a rough draft, you're kind of got to look, okay, read it. And then kind of, oh, now I'm going to go over here and do the comparison to the final one. And okay, yeah, I see. It's just Some a more work. laborious yeah. process to actually yeah. see the difference. Whereas when it's with, it's with art, yeah, you can just see it. it. It's just instantaneous. Boom. I see that. I see that. That's it. Yeah. And I, I want to take a moment. So we're talking about illustrations. I want to take a moment. Um, just to acknowledge uh, authors credit your illustrators. Like we're doing, Troy, you're doing a, f- a fantastic job of crediting your illustrator. Yeah, Dean, and telling, Dean Griffiths, telling Dean Griffiths yes. is the name. So mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. And if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly from the cover of Perfect Man, it's not ri- written by Troy, illustrated by Dean. It's Troy and Dean. Yep, if I it remember is. Right, which feels yep. like an feels like an intentional um, an intentional choice. Well, you know, it was an intentional choice, but not exactly in in the way that you're that you're thinking. I I, I suspect because the intentional choices is they were trying to make this like a a like a comic comic book covers would look. Mm. So comic book covers. Mm. I mean, some of the comic book covers would say uh, written by and drawn by, but a lot of them, a lot of them of certain eras wouldn't. A lot of them would just be this person and this person. Um, because they've got the whole, uh, on, they've got like 30, the 30, uh, special 32 page issue and, and a little, little, uh, blurb about, uh, is perfect man gone forever? Only Michael. So they really wanted to get that whole comic book cover vibe. And Mm -hmm. so really that's more a side effect of that than it is them being, uh, I mean, I, I'd like to credit them with being that enlightened in, in, in the way of giving just that equal storytelling credit. But I don't know that that's actually the case as it might just be sort of a happy side effect of them kind of looking at certain comic book covers of a certain era and going, well, that's how they write that. That's yeah. how, I mean, that's how they, that's how they put that there. But, but yeah. I, I do love that yeah. about it because I've always thought it, it, it's a, it's a, cause it does, you do, you do really meld. I mean, some of, some of the favorite, uh, even and even going beyond, um, even going beyond the um, sort of the written by and drawn by stuff, um, even even like say say somebody's favorite line in 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 a book, it might be a line that the editor suggested verbatim. Could easily be, uh, or it might be a line that was very much inspired by, oh, the, the uh, writer sees the, sees the illustration and goes, oh, I got to change this to this now. And on the other flip side, in terms of visual notes and things, I mean, some of, of the, the art is, is the way it is as well, because the author was like, this ought to be like this in like a visual note or something like that. Um, so it kind of goes, it kind of goes both ways in terms of the, it, it melds so much that your favorite, your favorite part might not be the, the, the ratio of, of who's responsible for what and when and where and how 
it all just sort of it, it sort of just melts together into this one being anyway in, in a lot of respects yeah yeah it's such a collaboration yeah and that's a really good and i just want to circle back real quick to what josh said about you know make sure to rep your illustrators justin cologne the podcast sponsor uh posted just recently and also made a really good point and said if you are sending out queries and you are writing out those comps include the illustrator on those books it's not just you know written by X, Y, and Z. It's also, you know, written by and illustrated by because how, I mean, that's so important. Like you, you can't have a picture book without the illustrator. You just can't. So like, you know, rep, rep those illustrators. This is a really good point to drive home. Unless and, you reach uh, Novak. I, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Well done. I, I do. He well, will be taking you in the thread. Please come on. Yeah, right. Well, while we're on the brilliance of of and importance, I mean the essentialness of everyone involved. the The brilliance of 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 some of the illustration here is I love how, um, and this was all Dean's decision, though maybe I mean the art director may have suggested some stuff too in this vein. But in terms of how you've got this question of okay, perfect man quits, and then uh, then this teacher comes around, who's this wonderful teacher who may or may not be perfect man. But the the thing about that is, is what I had in my head, and thankfully I did not write this down in visual notes at all, was something really boring like a Superman Clark Kent type of thing, where it's like oh the the, the teacher has glasses or some whatever. Uh, but the brilliance of what Dean did here, he, he like that was a dilemma that he had to had to solve. Is like okay, well, how do I do? I have some sort of resemblance between the perfect man and the teacher, and if so, what and what do I do? And so, number one, he has a helmet covering half perfect man's face, which I had no idea that that was going to be the case. Which I think is a brilliant solution. And the other thing is, is they both have these big chins, so you've got the chin resemblance. That I, again, this this is why. I mean, I mentioned sometimes uh, an author might have some visual note. Uh, that the that the illustrator follows to one degree or another. Well, sometimes, thank goodness, the author didn't say anything at all uh, in terms of what the visual could be, because this was a million times better than than what I had in my head from every angle, from this, every storytelling, visual interest, whatever angle you want, way better. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it, it's it's love, stuff like that is just lovely because it just goes yeah. so far it, it just elevates things so far beyond what you thought which is what you want i mean you certainly want it to be a heck of a lot better than what you turned in like the manuscript that you turned in you want it to be much better than that you don't want it to be just that and it won't be just that thankfully but well so the way that you express it is is a much more eloquent and and beautiful way of thinking about not being too precious about your words. Obviously our contribution as authors is really special and, you know, books that are authored by us wouldn't happen unless we authored them, but, you know, leave room for being collaborative, leave, leave room for more creativity from the rest of the team uh, to this entire point. Absolutely. Everybody on the team, everybody, the, the uh, writer, artist, art director, editor, every, everybody, ideally they're on the team of uh, team best book. That's the team they're on. They're not, they're not on the team. If I'm, yes. if I'm, if you know, if after I'm, uh, you know, a thing is accepted and, and, and I, and, and uh, I don't have to be 
quote unquote right about anything after the contract is signed. I mean, the, the, the editor can go, well, I think that this should be this instead. And if they're right, they're right. If, if uh, uh, the artist has, has a way of, of doing things that I never anticipated and they're right, they're right, they're right. I mean, it's, it's just uh, all, all I want and all I think most people involved want is just what's the best book that we can, we can uh, put out and, um, the, the 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 best ideas come from everybody you know that's the, the best idea it's this crowdsourced thing and and everybody um everybody contributes to that 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 uh, wonderful mix and um and it, it really is an amazing thing to experience hey everybody time for a couple of mid-episode comments before we get to our weekly reviews which are some really good ones this week i did want to take a couple of minutes to uh talk about our patreon which um we've started um to kind of soft open light fanfare lately but i wanted to take a, a moment to acknowledge the awesome people who have joined us as uh, some of our first patrons aside from me who just wants the stickers that are part Part of our <laughs> make it sticky tier so props to Jacqueline Lindsay uh, Stan Yan Katie Reinert and Jenna Johnson for being our first four patrons on patreon thank you so much for supporting the podcast and uh, helping us to offset the relatively light costs uh, of putting the show on and keeping it um, fun and pleasurable and uh, hopefully getting some stickers and possibly some some shout outs for your investment in the podcast if you are interested in helping support the podcast we both got our patreon as well as our um, our, our separate shout outs that you can buy individually or um, uh, license however if you want to say that uh, individually, just go to our link tree at our linktree.com slash verse show to find all the episodes as well as the various ways that you can support the show, including merch as well. And now that we've gotten that bit of commercialness out of the way, let's shout out some other things that people have done. Uh, Brenna's review th for this week is called Jump In, uh, written and illustrated by Chandra Strickland. This book is, and this is exactly what Brenna writes, this book is hyphen wow, all in caps. The rhythmic words and bright, vibrant illustrations make you feel like you're right there with the kids and even Ms. Mabel, who takes a turn. This book is summertime, wrapped in fun, rolled up in laughter. Um, that's certainly a great, great endorsement. John's review this week is for Island Girls Free the Sea of Plastic by Blair Northern Williamson and illustrated by Svetlana Holovchenko. It's a wonderfully inspiring and easy to digest tale about the importance of oceanside conservation. In the story, sisters Sadie and Josie embark on a mission to save sea turtles from an unfortunate plastic situation. The book combines beautifully crafted watercolor illustrations with a powerful message that will be sure to encourage readers of all ages to help care for the environment and true to john's reviews john gives this delightful story 10 healthy sea turtles out of 10. i did not do my reviews uh based on a sea turtle rating scale however and hopefully uh that's okay <laughs> my review uh i did this a couple couple episodes ago my review is another kind of double whammy um this time pairing two 
different but similarly themed books together um, whose themes are kind of acceptance and openness from family. Uh, Julian is a Mermaid doesn't need a lot of introduction, as I'm sure many of you who are listening to this are already very familiar with the book. Uh, it's a tale of Julian's fashion exploration. It's pretty well regarded uh, for very good reasons uh, and is a touching depiction of the good that comes from having supportive family open to, you know, your own self-expression. But Fred gets dressed and shout out in particular to to our buddy Steph Campisi for turning me on to this book is another take on a similar theme and it's interesting reading these two together we've got them both checked out uh, from the library at our house right now Fred at first has a chuckle worthy romp through his house in the nude which is very uh, you know tastefully <laughs> portrayed on the page uh, but quickly follows similar beats to Julian albeit for a slightly different age group both books really touchingly show the evolution in how both boys think about clothing, worry about how their clothing choice will be perceived, and are ultimately not only accepted, but fully embraced by their family. Two very different takes on a really important concept for families to understand together. Get out and review a book today, uh, something that's, uh, you know, hits your household in a pleasurable way. Um, Authors really appreciate it, and it does wonders for uh, publicizing and enhancing the reach of some of your favorite books. Uh, And now, without further ado, back to our conversation with Troy. So, okay, so before before we move on, or before, you know, we we take like a different thread here, just in case that happens, I want to talk about Stan Lee's uh, review on the back. Mm. I'm yeah. glad because I was yeah. I was about to, to 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 do a do a tangential. Question. Oh my gosh! Let's do that. Okay, okay. let's just do All this right. real quick. Let me just read yeah. it so that the audience can hear. Because I mean, this is so cool. Stanley reviewed your book, and it got to be on the cover. Like, I mean, you that has to feel good, especially as a dude who comes from like a comic book background, and you like grew up on this stuff. I mean, Stanley is. I mean, he's Stanley. So like, to have it on your book is very cool. So, okay, let me just read it. It says, both the story and art are sensational. I hope it sells a gazillion copies. Excelsior, Stanley. I mean, it's kind of perfect. And that almost didn't happen because I sent him, uh, mailed him a copy of the book um, suggested by um, the other person who's uh, on there, Roger Stern. I, 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 he, he, he responded to the book, responded to me about the book. Uh, initially and i i asked him well i'd love to get this to stan lee as well do you have any thoughts and he gave me a great suggestion which was okay rather than going through marvel which everyone would do mm-hmm. there's this pow entertainment that at the time stan was involved in too which is a much smaller entity so he said well why don't you mail it care of pow entertainment uh which i did and the the reason i almost did not get the emailed response uh, was because it ended up in my junk email inbox, my junk box. And, and had I not checked it, I don't know if I was now in time fades memory. So I don't know if I was like um, checking it because I was wondering if he responded and ended up there or if I just randomly checked it, I don't know. But in any case I checked it and it's like, Oh my goodness. There's an email from Stan Lee sitting here. Oh my gosh. And, and, and so I almost, I mean, I don't, you know, eventually it would have obviously gone from that, uh, been, been trashed out of there. So, so that was a lucky, a lucky break for sure. Um, 
And one other quick tangential thing with Stan is that later on, uh, I was editing and, and putting together uh, a charity anthology of comics, uh, which I contributed a, a little comic that I wrote. It was a charity anthology to, to benefit, benefit a primate rescue center. It was called Panels for Primates. Cool. And I had his email. So I, I asked him if he might like to contribute something, something small. It, it could only, it, it could just be even like a little comic strip, you know, a few panels, even he could write something. And, so and cool. he, um, and he said, Oh yeah, I'd love to do that. And then, you know, time passes and he's a busy guy and whatever. And I was kind of wondering if it would actually occur. And then what in what was literally a dark and stormy night it literally was into my into my email inbox and not the junk box this time the actual thing thank goodness um was this a script a stan lee script in my email for this three panel uh little comic strip and um so I approached this, this uh, cartoonist who was a big supporter of the whole Panels for Primates thing to begin with, and he really helped with getting it where it needed to be, get it, getting it to the venue it needed to be, and so forth initially. So I said to him, and I knew he was a huge fan of, of, of Stan Lee and the Lee Kirby Fantastic Four, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he'd even worked on one of the characters uh, for a miniseries. So I said, hey, how would you like to... Uh, illustrate work on this uh this comic strip by stanley i mean of course i knew he would want to do that but he's like <laughs> no his, i'm good his, i'm, like, I'm good i don't think so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But his, his his initial his initial response was 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 twofold it was yes of course and i need proof that <laughs> so i was like I, so basically i i forwarded him I forwarded him the, the exchange, the correspondence, which was, you know, now and then, like every whatever, a few months or whatever, I check in with Stan. I wouldn't pester him, but I mean, just just about, okay, are you still in, interested, whatever. So I emailed him that sort of uh, correspondence that I would certainly not be technically adept enough to fake in any way. And um, <laughs> so... So that was the only collaboration, the one and only collaboration that he ever got to do with uh, with Stanley. And it, it, yeah, it's really cool that it would have never happened without Perfect Man happening first. And um, I got to see um, on, the, on the social media later on, I got to see a picture of him and Stan together at a convention, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just kind of saying, hey, it was cool to you know, cool to work with you and all that kind of stuff. It was just a lovely little uh, connection. And Stan was so generous to give, because uh, everyone's asked, I was, I'm sure, you know, the asking Stan, could you do this? Could you do that? Could you do the other? And, you know, my little rinky dink uh, charity anthology, uh, he takes the time to actually give, give me a, a, a script and, um, and, and actually it took the time after it was illustrated to go, Hey, could we, um, maybe could we tweak this line here a little bit for this reason? It was a good reason, a good tweak, you know? So he, he didn't just sort of, it wasn't even him just sort of, Oh, here's a short thing, phoning it in, not caring afterwards even. I mean, he, he even cared enough to be like, yeah, I think this line would land better, uh, thinking about it if it was like refined this way. And it was an absolutely excellent edit. And, um, it was just a lovely thing to be have been a part of above and beyond him him liking uh, uh, Perfect Man, which was of course it was and is uh, a thrill 
to be sure. Gosh, well, and just such a delightful example of that actionable sort of advice or learning, which is just shoot your shot, um, take yes. a chance. Um, <clears throat> and hopefully who you're shooting your shot with also shares the belief that, you know, once you're in a position to, to give back, like reach a hand down and do something that will be magical uh, for somebody else in this way. That's just, that's a, it's a really wonderful story. Also, in terms of actionable, actionable advice, check your junk mail. That's the the last piece of advice. (laughs) Yeah. Check it now and then. You you never know. I mean, it might not all be, uh, be junk in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think in the intervening 20 years that the algorithms, uh, for junk mail have gotten measurably smarter, at least in terms of what I find in there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, you would think it would filter for Stanley. They'd be like, Oh, this clearly isn't junk. Like whoever this is going to wants to read this. Like, please don't put Stanley's email in junk. Well, I mean, it it was, it wasn't. Um, to be fair, I guess to the algorithm, it was not. <laughs> not that I need. That's kind of not that it's too charitable. Too charitable. And it's 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 it. You know, it it it, it was it wasn't Stanley at such and such. It was uh, an interesting. I can say it now because I mean, it, it, I I guarded it jealously uh, at the time, but it was it was an abbreviation of Comic Book Man. Not mm-hmm. not every let not every letter was in there, and it was at, at aol.com. But it didn't have Stanley. It didn't have Stanley. Of course, it did. You know, but it, but it didn't have okay. Stanley in the thing. You know, so uh, totally. That, so you know, that 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 much slack I'm going to give give the algorithm. <laughs> love <laughs> love do. the reality. Love the curtain pullback that Stanley yeah. had an AOL email address. Yep. Totally, and that yeah. fits. Like everything I know about Stanley is mostly based on the Kevin Smith and Mallrats movies mm-hmm. because he did. You know, he did a cameo, <laughs> and I love Jay and Silent Bob. Love them. Um, and I also, I mean, I have. I have a bunch of old friends who just were very much these comic book junkies in college. So I, you know, I have a good understanding of like, you know, who this guy is and the sort of reputation that he has. And I always got the sense that he was just like a really genuine guy. He was a a good guy. And so like, I, I love hearing that he, he, you know, he responded about this charity anthology and that he, you know, cared enough to do the tweet because that fits with everything I know about him. Well, and, and, and actually, in terms of other actionable advice, one of the things that, that, that he did, which was amazing to me as well, is he was quite a quick responder to emails that were sent, but he would not go on and on. He would, it would be quick. It would be, a, you know, it'd be a quick, he had that gift of doing a quick email, but, but quick and amiable and friendly though. Mm. Uh, all at the same succinct. time, just uh, succinct though. So it's like, okay, you might not as, as whoever you are, uh, who, in terms of somebody uh, making an inquiry of you or a request of you or whatever it is, and you might not have a lot of time, none of us do, but if you can shoot off a relatively quick email, uh, keep that friendliness, keep the quickness and, and, the, and everything else, um, that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's what Stan did. Um, and he's a, you know, obviously a busy guy with lots of demands on his time. And so that also, I mean, it was instructive to me 
it was instructive to me because obviously occasionally, I mean, I don't get just a deluge of, of requests like him, but occasionally people will ask for my advice or this or that. They'll email me via my website or whatever it is. And I mean, I, I try to, I don't quite master his concision, uh, <laughs> but I try to, I try to do pretty well with the quickness at least. And I'm, I'm working on the concision. I mean, as a picture book author, that's something that I, I should be, should be decent at anyway. Yeah, that short, comes in short revisions. and kind is pretty pretty important for picture books. Pretty important, <laughs> yeah, right. pretty important, and <laughs> right. he he had it, he had that, so he could have been a picture book. Well, I mean, he obviously did a lot of, you know, but yeah. Anyway, he was a picture book author after a fashion for yes. a different a different age group. No, um, before before time gets away from us, I want to do I want to kind of just explore history stuff with you, though. I mean, the market, we didn't, there was no Twitter back in 2003, 2004, you know, even earlier when you must have been shopping this around um, in terms of how how you learned the business and how you explored it um, and how you went about creating the the book as a whole. I mean, one, one thing that stands out is uh, Perfect Man is a wonderful book. It is very, it's te- text heavy by today's yes. editorial yes. standards, which yeah. I love. I'm, I have, there's a, some of my favorite picture books are way wordy, uh, very, very much too wordy um, for today's editorial standards. So I guess I'm curious, curious in exploring or just getting your reflections on how things have changed for you and how you've been forced to adapt sort of to, to market over the past 20 years or so. Well, definitely, um, definitely there's been, um, been a shift in terms of picture books where the age, age range is. So, I mean, this is partly why this is, um, was as wordy as it, as it was, because while there were your, where the wild things are and, and various ones that were obviously far less wordy, there were, there were quite a few that were as wordy as this out there mm-hmm. at the time. Um, Partly because the upper end of the age range for picture books was was uh, higher than it is now, so a big part of the the um, the adaptation is is simply that concision, getting things much more concise, and you know, and honestly, getting getting the um, the pictures to do a lot more of the work, of course, um, because. Perfect Man is more of a, um, more of sort of a more sort of an illustrated prose type of thing than it than it is the words and and pictures collaborating as fully as they could in terms of the storytelling. I mean, Almost there's certainly things, right? y- yeah, very much. Um, and I think part of part of what I've learned can can even be illustrated within what I would do with and to perfect man now i mean i would in fact there's a whole spread uh the first spread where it's saying oh michael maximal Callum, smallest boy in school talks about michael the uh, perfect man greatest superhero of them all talks about perfect man that whole first spread there um if i were to do that today that would be gone hmm. i wouldn't have any of that there I would simply start where, with the phrase on the next page, which says, Perf- uh, Mike, Michael Maxwell McCallum was Perfect Man's biggest fan. Boom, in. Mm. You know? Right. Um, so there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of things like that. Um, and I suppose uh, in terms of my, I mean, the, the contrast between this book and, and my most recent book, Hat Cat, I mean, it is 
you could not get a more extreme contrast in terms of the, you know, word count and how much, um, how much information um, is, is thrown at you with perfect man versus how in some ways, how much isn't thrown at you with, with, with hat cats. So I, that's been a, a, a big, a big adaptation, I suppose. I mean, the weird thing is, is one of the things I was worried about with perfect man at the time was how, how didactic it is. Um, and how, I mean, it gets away with it for a lot of reasons in my view, but it certainly is because that was viewed at the time as, as a big no, no, I think it's viewed slightly less so, uh, well, maybe significantly less so now, but it's, but it's only if you, if you pull it off in, in a different way than perfect man pulls it off, put it that way. I mean, there are books that Mm -hmm. are entirely about what the, what the teaching thing is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like sometimes it's like right in the title what the teaching thing is you know like this is a, this is not an example but if if there's like something that says there, there could very well be a book that says that says not quite this wording but say be courageous and that could be the title of the thing and it's mm-hmm. telling you oh here's all the ways you can be courageous <laughs> you know uh, but it's doing that like it's doing it in a in a vastly different way than perfect man's kind of message telling like it's 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 a really different way it's a much more breezy flowy um uh, quicker way i guess too because perfect man is 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 uh, is is fairly text heavy but it's also um and because of that partly because of that it's it's a slower book too it's a slower book despite the fact that it's got an alien invasion and all that kind of stuff but it's still a slower (laughs) book i mean you've got you've got that this huge everything goes to a screeching halt for a huge conversation between the kid and his teacher that goes on for quite some time. I mean, I think it works because there's this tension in there of, well, okay, is this advice that a teacher is giving him or is this advice that a teacher who is his favorite superhero is giving him? (laughs) So there's this tension in there that keep that, that kind of keeps it kind of moving forward. Um, But I, I, but but in terms of change too, yeah, you're right. In terms of the internet community and and so forth, like the Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. But you know the kidlit oh, community gosh, that's, yeah. that's that's on online on on various um, platforms and 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 so forth. I mean that that's an amazing thing that um, I am um, so so glad is is there because I personally am discovering so many more creators and connecting directly with them. And um, I've behind the scenes, you know, DM'd a lot of them and they've DM'd me kind of going, Hey, you know, uh, just for advice or for encouragement or for whatever it might be, that is, 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 is great. And you've, I've sort I, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches really compared to, yeah, back in the early, early two thousands, the early aughts when, there was there was not really any of that there what there was what was it there was um was it the yellow board or something what was it called oh. there was a message board type of thing where where people who were writing uh, children's literature material even then 
that was there. And I was more of a lurker than I was <laughs> actually posting questions or whatever. A lot of my questions yeah. were being a- answered or, and, uh, you know, or being asked by others or, or whatever. But so I did go on, uh, and I, th- I think it was, it was yellow something or other. I did go on that message board a fair bit just to, um, get a sense of what response, what, what response times people were, were coming, finding just all the kinds of info that, that you would, you would get even, even more so today. But what, what was it? What's the, there was like the children's writers and illustrators market or whatever, you know, that big, that big book, big, yeah, that big sure. book. I mean, yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely be looking at the most recent ones of those and, going on to lots of publishers' websites and seeing what they want, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the internet was there. It was just not, um, not nearly what it is now. Um, yeah. not, not nearly as, um, back in my day, we had it so much tougher. Type of thing. But, <laughs> yeah. We're not but, talking you know. ancient history or anything, but it is, but not, it is striking it, how much it's, it's evolved for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the I will I will say that what it, how what it seems like is it seems like the market has only gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, just in the sense that I remember um, at some point after Perfect Man, I remember meeting with an editor in in Toronto, and she was she was saying, "Well, you know, yeah, this story and that story that you're you've pitched, this would have sold." Um, at an earlier time, but now the bar has just been raised and so forth. And it just seems like that has continued to occur, um, to a greater and greater degree. Um, which is, which is, which is, um, uh, you just got to go with that, but it just seems like that. Cause it's, it's, it seems like I, I, I sort of, I, okay. I, I, I heard her. I said, okay, I hear you, you know? And so I'm going to up my game. And then, you know, I sort of up my game and then, oh, okay, the bar is raised beyond where I up my game to now. Great. <laughs> and it just seems like, you know, it seems like that that you're chasing that all the time. You're chasing that, that, um, uh, well, and well, and the other thing is that sometimes you, you might find that the type of thing that you want to write during whatever period of time, um, it's just not the thing anymore, too. So uh, there's various shifts and so forth, and 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 a lot of those shifts are 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 for great reasons and much needed. But but you're always sort of adapting to uh, well, how can I make the Venn diagram work of sort of what I want to do, what really jazzes me as a creator, and what what is needed on all kinds of other levels as well, you know? So that's, that's a, that's a tricky one, but you're always, that's an ever evolving one. That's always been the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, bottom line is, is not, as we've talked about in on other episodes is not to adapt yourself to what you see as the market, because you're always going to miss the mark. It's just make your game the best it can be and follow your, your passion and, um, you know, if you're not chasing this Im- immediate sense of urgency and have a little patience, um, networking, networking and hard work will get you there. Right. Yeah. And, and on that note too, I was going to say, that's kind of a perfect transition into, so we're, we're edging up towards the hour, Troy. And I just, I mean, it's been such a delightful conversation. This has been so great, but what I was going to ask is, um, are, are you waiting for anything new to come out? Is there anything in the works? Are you sort of like you know, waiting to promo something or can you tell us anything about, you know, the behind the scenes? Well, 
I I believe when this um, it's an interesting thing because this will this will be dropping a while a fair while after we we were chatting so there could very well be um, some things that I have news about um, when this when this drops that I don't have. Now, I mean, I actually just got news yesterday um, of something going to the editorial board in September. Um, Okay. So, which I think, I I mean, I really love, like there's some changes that were suggested that I love that that make it work even better as far as I'm concerned. Um, So who knows? Maybe I will know. Um, well, I will know one way, way or the other, um, but I don't know at, as, as we speak now. And then, um, and then in uh, October, um, my first Halloween story is going to be in a kid's magazine, but that there again, that'll be in the rearview mirror when, when this drops. So really at the point of this, I mean, I'll, what's going to be going on that I know is going to be going on is, is I will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of perfect man. And I've got all kinds of, all kinds of different uh, folks uh, that I'll be talking to. You're, you're the, actually the, the first, uh, first uh, people oh, uh, right. on your publicity tour yeah, first, nice. first yeah. stop on that uh so this has been wonderful uh wonderful in that regard wonderful to any anyway it's been lots of fun so that that's really right now what i know for sure is that there's going to be lots of uh lots of lots of lots more folks that i'm gonna have a blast talking to and i'm gonna be giving away lots of copies of perfect man and all that kind of stuff so i know that's happening um there's, I will say that there is one book that I would define as being the sort of book on my bucket list, the one. And I finally got it to a place where, I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, obviously everything can improve, but I think, oh man, this is, this is, uh, lovely. It's lovely. And it's got, I, it's, nice. it's one of those ones that that's, that's the one above all others that I have to, I have to get out there in the world. I mean, I might even, if I had to, maybe I'd even self-publish it, which is not really a route that I, I ever really want to go, but maybe for this one, maybe I would, if I had to, I don't think I'll have to, I really don't. Uh, I think it will find a home somewhere. And so I'm excited about that one. Um, so yeah, lots, as always, you know, many irons in the fire and uh, yeah. who knows, who knows what, yeah, the, sure. what will we'll, happen. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that one. And then can you tell us when the actual Perfect Man 20th anniversary is? Because we can coincide the podcast dropping with that anniversary so we can, you know, be part of the hype. Well, the the actual is, is, is April. Um, okay. That's the act, April of, of 2024 is the actual, but I mean, this, this, this could even, 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 even January is, is, is fantastic, honestly, because okay. January is the year, that January is right the year, yeah, you know, perfect. it's like, boom, it's like, boom, new year. We're, you know, first yeah. out of the gate, new year with, with, with all of that. So but okay. that, that's the, that's the actual, yeah. Yeah. Great. No, that's awesome. And I know you said you wanted to do a giveaway coincided with the podcast so maybe january is good and we can you know do the giveaway and then whoever gets that book can also you know will be part of it and sort of can be like 
that, you know, this book is amazing and can, you know, review and all this stuff and help get the, you know, help get everything going. Cause I mean, that's, I mean, that's so exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about it because I love Perfect Man. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Well, you know, how could you disagree with Stanley? How, you know, <laughs> that's right. you know. Right. <laughs> Respect his memory and his opinions. <laughs> there we yeah, go. There right. we go. But um, but no, this 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 has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I I'm I'm uh, so glad that I I know that this this has uh, been uh, been a while in, in in coming and and everything. But it's it's been well worth the wait for me from my end anyway. I've I've really really enjoyed this and uh, yeah, it's just been lovely lovely talking to you. Thanks for listening this week. Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again. and We'll see you next verse. Bye.